Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your host, Ben Husson, and me, Sean Hamm. Welcome to episode 21 of Sports, Clips, and Politics. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, Mr. Husong, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. As always. Exciting weekend for you? Um, sure. Did you play any golf? I did play some golf. I got a lot of golf, actually, this weekend. And then I attended uh, a nice little Halloween party. Um, were masks I'm, involved? Some people were wearing masks. Uh, they were Halloween masks. Admittedly, nobody had on a face covering uh, other than that. But it was a very nice party. We had a great time. And thus far, we have not had any um, super spreader fallouts. But I'll keep everybody posted. Excellent. Excellent. Right. How about you? How was your weekend? Uh, not a whole lot. Nothing exciting. Just the way I like it. Um, did a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. You watch, any, you watch any baseball? I watched a little bit of the baseball game. Uh, I think There's the been Dodgers. There's some exciting games. Uh, the Dodgers are just a better team. Uh, the game last night, I think Clayton Kershaw really came through and showed that. Uh, was it Saturday night's game? Yeah, Saturday night's game was eventful. Uh, tough ending for the Dodgers. Two errors to go out on. That's <laughs> and, and, and the guy falling halfway home and still getting there on the two errors. Yeah, pretty fun. I mean, exciting. Unless you're a Dodgers fan, I guess. <laughs> I know it was. Listen, it's still funny. Like I'm, I'm sorry. You're still they bounced back, win, got a win. So right. I mean, right now that they should. That that scar should be not as uh, deep as it was uh, I agree. two days ago. So, and I do think ultimately they're just a more complete team, top to bottom, and they're arguably the most complete team, top to bottom in the league. I mean, they they are the best team in baseball this season. They deserve to win it, and I think it's I don't want to call it a foregone conclusion. I'd say it's far more likely that they win one of the next two games than they go zero and two. Yeah, I'm probably with you there. So, yeah. Um, did you watch much football over the weekend? I did watch some football. Do we know who the last undefeated team in the NFL is? The Pittsburgh Steelers. My Pittsburgh Steelers. Your Pittsburgh Steelers. Not that I expected them to be 6-0 and because I don't think they've ever been 6-0 and in their whole existence. But um, <clears throat> And that's not saying that they're obviously a, a shabby franchise. They are. Not at all. This is kind of a uh, 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 even historic season for, for that franchise. Um, yeah, I mean, they played Tennessee, Battle of Undefeated. Uh, undefeated and uh, It was it, a game worth watching. Yeah, it was definitely a really good game. Um, you know, came down to a missed field goal at the very end, and uh, the Steelers walked off victorious, and they are, yeah, 6-0. and I laughed so hard at Ben Roethlisberger's face when Steven Goskowski missed that field goal. He Nobody was more surprised than Ben Roethlisberger. I, that that came I will say we've had some, we've been on the uh, other side of some missed field goals uh, in, the, in the few years that, you know, maybe I'm just biased because I've I've been on those side, but... Um, it's good to be on the uh, the positive side of a missed field goal anyway. But I did not make them number one in my power five. Interesting. I still have the Chiefs as number one. Really? I still think they're the best team. Walk me through the reasoning. Uh, they're quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> they they have other players, obviously, but, I mean, Mahomes is just ridiculous. So And like I said, that's I'm not trying to take away. I think the Steelers' defense is better than Kansas City's. I think that the Steelers have very good skill position players, too. They got Deontay Johnson back this week, so now they have – you know, Claypool, Johnson, and Juju, uh, pretty good. Uh, Ebron has been a, a nice, pleasant surprise addition this year. Uh, they have a couple Agreed. running backs that are good, and Roethlisberger has been healthy, and the defense is legit. So, um, I mean, they did have a real nail-biter against Denver. Well, 
for like the first three and a half minutes. It was really close. It was anybody's game for that first four minutes. But so I had the Steelers number two behind the Chiefs. I think that's fair. And then the Ravens have rebounded all the way back up to number three as being out of the rankings last week after a couple of losses by the, the Titans and the Seahawks. So um, the Ravens probably should have been in there last week as like a tie with the Bills, I guess. Um, but they're, I know they're, you they're did really that for good. Me and I appreciate it. So <laughs> they did not deserve it after that performance on the. But so then I round out with again with the Seahawks and Titans. Um, other, you know, the Bills were in consideration. I, I you know, I looked at the the oh Cardinals after beating the Seahawks a little bit just to see. Um, Green Bay is still in the discussion for sure. Absolutely. But, but I feel like we're starting to see a little bit of the cream rise to the top here. Um, are we seeing anything fall to the bottom? I just what's. I mean, the Jets there. almost uh, came out of the cellar for the worst team with the uh, beating of your Bills. Yeah, through, through um, one half of football. Through one half of football, that was maddening to watch. And Moral then, victories. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's good to know you can play that badly and still win. Where and, and you want to talk about missed field goals? Everybody is looking at, uh, at at Bass, Trevor Bass in Buffalo right now. Like, dude, what are you doing? You got to make more than that. Like, none of these were ridiculous field goals. You got you got you have one job. Come in and kick. There's like six of eight. I know. Okay, score touchdowns. I, I'm listen. I'm with you 100 percent on that. So is the first half. You, you know, you're looking at it like, all right, I can't decide if this is a good team having a rough patch or just a bad team that, that caught a few teams by surprise early on. And I'm still not sure, to be totally honest. But second half did go much better. The defense finally remembered that they are in fact the Buffalo Bills defense. And I believe the stat was they held the Jets to four yards of total offense in the second half of the football game. I mean, the Bills defense is legit too. So they um, have not been playing like it no. late though. So it was good to see them step up and carry the team and get a victory you don't love that you're getting no touchdowns uh I still am perplexed by the complete lack of a running game outside of Josh Allen and Buffalo I, they they just have so few designed runs that it's it's sort of head scratching at times and I don't know if you know the answer to this and I know I don't but I see that there, it seems like there's a lot of uh you know option work from Allen where he can either hand it to the running back or take it himself and he just seems to always prefer to take it himself. See, that when you seems... say option, that implies that on occasion he would give the ball to the running back right. and that does not happen. Well, I feel like the that's what I'm trying to figure <laughs> out is the intent of the play from the coach and say, hey, here's an option and he's just greedy or and or thinks he's the best option or is it really just a fake like that's the part of the play. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's the option part in there. Um but it, might as well, to your point, it seems like he does run the ball primarily, you know, as first option. They might as well call it a play action bootleg because that's what it is every single time. He does not hand the ball off unless he is instructed to hand the ball off. Otherwise, he feels like, hey, I'm a huge dude and I'm fast. I got it. And it does. And listen, he's had some success for sure, but it's still not the smart play. Uh, it's a frustrating team to watch. As far as what's fallen to the bottom, I think the. The Jets have firmly established that they are the worst team in the NFL. The They're Giants, still on the clock. The Giants are right down there with them. Uh, if Evan Engram, can I put the Cowboys in there? The guy was going to be the next thing I said. I, I mean, mean, holy, they. I mean, R.I.P. Andy Dalton. Oh my God! I thought he, I, I didn't think he was going to get up. That, that was, was vicious. Yeah. He he almost died on the yeah, field. Yeah, there was yesterday. a collective groan when that happened uh, oh. where I was, and uh, yeah, he didn't come back to play. Uh, He's not coming back. Denucci, Denucci. Sure. I'm not sure how to say it. The guy with the vowels. <laughs> He's coming in to play quarterback the for the nice Cowboys. Irish guy for yeah. the Cowboys, yeah. He's coming in to play. Uh, no, they are a dumpster fire officially now. Uh, that's the drop-off from stunning. Dak. It's crazy. The drop-off from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton was significant. Huge. This step-down is going to be even worse. So I think you confirmed They're going establish. to get a quarterback. That's it, man. They're, Colin Kaepernick. 
Yes. That's the <laughs> no. most likely outcome for sure in Dallas, Texas, is Colin Kaepernick will be signed. Je- you know, they, Jimmy, Jerry <laughs> Jones. Je- what? Yeah, big, big. Uh, they, big uh, seriously, though, bring it up. I, I think they should go get a quarterback. I mean, because the division is there, right? I mean, it's not like they're out of it. I mean, there's, I think might still be in first place for all I know. <laughs> no, Philadelphia is in first place still because, oh, again, Evan tie. Ingram can't catch. So that's how they, they managed to pull that off. But I, listen, if I'm Dallas, I'm just accepting that this is going to be a lost season take to Jared. No, yeah. no. They can, they can still win the division. No, they can't. Wait, who's who? going to win the division? Are going to get Josh McCown out of retirement? They go trade for Fitz. I mean, I would love it if they traded for Fitzpatrick. That would be the most fun thing ever. Fitz I, is a commodity. You think the Dolphins? They got Tua, right? I mean, they might as well just trade Fitz. They have, they've now officially. I think sat. we just discovered the answer here. I think that. Listen, I, I can't tell you how much I would love that because I love Ryan Fitzpatrick and I love watching him play football. Whenever he's playing football, I said this a few weeks ago. You always feel like your team has a chance, whether he's on your team or the other team. You feel like your team has a chance in the game when he's playing quarterback. And I listen. He's done. Pretty well this year. They're second place in the division. They're a, a two games they're, back. He's been a surprise, yeah. And then all of a sudden they say, "Now nah, you're done." Too, but he's a placeholder, right? So of I mean, course. so if you're ever going to get something for the guy, now's the chance. Yeah, and I think you got. I mean, I don't know what the Cowboys have to offer, but a six round pick, maybe something. But I did. I like. I didn't love that. I was. Oh, that's that's too bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can't ask the guy to do much more and then lose his job anyway. But I get it. You want to see what you got in Tua. Because I bet Fitz would rather go to the Dallas. I would think so too. I, so. I mean, Fitzpatrick would be fun to watch on that offense because yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick is like a gunslinger. I'm gonna go pick him that up in my fantasy. I'm gonna go pick him up in fantasy and just store him. Yeah, store him. I like store him away. I did pick up Antonio Brown in fantasy this week though. I would trade him. I listen. Let's see what happens. It's worth a bench stash. He's like the fifth option on that team. I don't care. It's it's worth a bench stash. So I, I do him. think that, and I do think. What about Des Bryant? Ah, I see. He was working out for some teams. Was, so I was he? Like, what? I missed the Browns. It. Maybe I can't remember. No, I somebody. Mean, but yeah. See you. If you have enough talent and skill in this country, we don't care how big of a douchebag you are. No. We will give you a chance. It's we'll get into that later. The American way. <laughs> but I think as long as you're, unless Tua is, I mean, unbelievably sharp early on, I think you can count the Dolphins in floating to the bottom. They're or not floating, yeah, sinking. They, they're they're probably fine by that. They're not trying to make the playoffs this year, right? No. They're going to try to. They're building, so they're building around Tua. If you're going to get anything out of a guy who's your is just a placeholder, you go get it. You just turn over the reins early, and you just suffer the consequences. I mean, you know, it yeah. might be a little ugly, but it's been ugly for a lot of young, good quarterbacks who've turned into great quarterbacks. So not named we'll Justin see. Herbert, right? Well, let me see. He's I've, you know, I, but I mean, a, so some of the best have had terrible, terrible, yes, you know, beginnings. So. Absolutely, I do have a football question for you. Who Uh-oh. is the bigger loser this weekend, the New England Patriots or Cam Newton? Ooh, man, this is one where you know. I think we may have even joked about, you know, trying to uh, compare the Patriots and the Buccaneers um, for obvious reasons. Um, and the Bucks are five and two and the Patriots are not. And I, man, it looks bad for the Patriots. They didn't look good yesterday at all. And the Buccaneers play in inarguably a much stronger division no than what the Patriots are playing. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I was never a huge Cam Newton fan as somebody who I thought he was a guy. I know he got to a Super Bowl, I think. Yes. Um, but I never thought him of a guy as like, that's a guy who's going to get to Super Bowls and he's, he's, he can win a game. He's a crazy great athlete. And, sure. you know, in any given game, if a play breaks down or, or a series of plays breaks down, he can, he can single-handedly win a game for sure. 
over the course of a season, I don't know, especially at his age now and the wear and tear, if he's the guy, he, man, I think he's just another placeholder. I think that it's another example of time remains undefeated. Uh, the time. So the way that Cam Newton played, similar to the way Josh Allen plays right now, is you're going to have a little bit of a peak early on. You're going to improve your first few years, but then you're going to steady decline because your body can't continue to take that abuse week in, week out, 17, 18 weeks a year and expect that you're going to continue performing at that level. Whereas somebody like Tom Brady, who literally is not getting hit, can make it last for a much longer at a, at a high level because the body's just not taking the wear and tear. And, I, I mean, I remember watching Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were really the first quarterbacks that if they threw an interception and they had a chance to go tackle the guy, they didn't do it. And they would just let him score. And everybody, at first you were taken aback, but then you realize, like, yeah, no, it's, that's actually not your job. I mean, Odell Beckham's now lost for the season tackling a guy on an interception return. Uh, freak incident, sure, but I'd rather have given up that extra few yards and had OBJ for the rest of the season. Yeah. So it's uh, hopefully that went to coaching too. Like if if I'm the coach, I'm saying that same thing, right? Like uh, you're their most important player, right? Your uh, job is tackle, not to tackle. <laughs> this tackle is not that important. No, so. I don't care. It's get go score a touchdown back, and we'll call it even. Don't. So did don't you put the Patriots in your bottom five? Uh, they're not there yet, but they're trending in that Oof. direction. I, I mean, they are. So you, you mentioned the Jets and the Giants, yeah? So the Jets, the Giants, and, and I'm the putting Cowboys. the Cowboys are now in Deserving in the so. bottom five because, I, I mean, come on. Like, Listen, I'm with you. I, you can't you, – there's no shot. If they get Fitz, I'll bump them out of the bottom five. How's that? But until they Fair. get Fitzpatrick, they are not a good football team. It's it's just – it's very and obvious. And their defense is atrocious too. So. Unbelievable. They've, yeah. It's one of the most talented bad football teams I've ever seen. Yeah. But it's back to being classic Jerry Jones where the offensive line and defensive lines are not strong and they have a lot of big-name playmakers. This ends the same way every single time. And it's, the answer is not well. So I've got the Jets – Giants, uh, the Cowboys, I've got the Broncos, and the um, Jets, Giants, Broncos, Cowboys. There's one more in there. That would make five? That would make five. It was the, I don't remember who it was anymore. Oh, well, it's the okay. bottom four this week. Yeah, well, it's not going to be in the AFC North because that, I feel like on a opposite, we were talking about the NFC East oh, and how Cincinnati. pathetic it is. I, I still oh, think since, Cincinnati's a bottom five team. I mean, they're they're the worst team in that. Division, but I don't know if, I mean, they would be in first in the a NFC East. Joe Burrow is legit. He is fantastic, but they are not going. The, the reality is they are in the AFC North. They are playing six very good teams. Their schedule is brutal. Their offensive line is non-existent. I, listen, I don't. Oh, they're not good. I'm just, I, yeah. But it's a turnstile. It's as if they I would just start with the it. NFC East and then just add the Broncos or the Jets, I mean. I. See, Washington is... Uh, yeah, Washington actually looked okay yesterday. Yeah, like they're bad, but they're not... I don't think they're one of the top, bottom five. Well, I, mean, I Ky think... Kyle Allen had his moments at Carolina, too. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he is a, a, a game-winning quarterback. Um, you know, I don't know that Fair. he's Franchise anything more guy, than that, right? right but um, And I don't know that they need him to be at this point. Like I said, they got, they're, they're a young team just building, and they got a bunch of young players. They're just trying to see what they got. So I get you. Um, yeah, yeah so, they're better than I thought. Their defense is really good, actually. Washington. Washington. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. At least they have one side of the ball that is completely yeah. competent. Yeah, they, that should keep them in most games. I mean, listen, and they're they're they're, they're rookie running back Gibson. There, he looked pretty good looked yesterday too. Good. So, but if you thought, I mean, like, it's the Cowboys, but Cincinnati's defense comes out yesterday, even, and I mean, they made Baker Mayfield look like Tom Brady. That he just picked them apart, and they they were scoring at will. And for uh, 
love or hate Baker Mayfield, he's not Tom Brady. Like, their offense is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, pass. That's what they're supposed to be doing to win games. And he's just slinging it for 300 yards against your defense. So your defense is not strong. Your offensive line is legitimately non-existent. Your quarterback is fantastic. You have a couple of very good wide receivers, some very good running backs. My opinion is you are maybe a slightly better version of the Dallas Cowboys. It's fun to watch, and you're going to stay in games. You're not going to win. So that's why I've got Cincinnati still in my bottom right. five. Well, we're six weeks in, and I said I think feel like we're finally starting to see some preparation of these teams and kind of who's in it and who's not. Um, you know, any any week a, uh, a, a breakout of the vid or the uh, some injury can always uh, derail a team. But amen. Um, how's your Bitcoin doing? I don't own Bitcoin. Oh. I own Ethereum. Well, that's up to it is. You want to know uh, so why? Bitcoin uh, got up to over 13K uh, last few days here. It's just kind of like the highest point, I feel like, since its all-time highs back in 2000-whatever. Uh, I, I I don't know how to say this right. I love cryptocurrency. I think it has a lot of usage, especially in the future. I think it will grow in popularity. I don't have a clue why my holdings in cryptocurrency go up or down in a given hour or day or month. It makes no sense to me. I can't find a correlation. I can't find a causation. I can find nothing. So I just sit back and go, huh, well, okay. That's it. It's legitimately all I do with the cryptocurrency that I hold. I, I barely check it now because I have no idea what it's doing, and it makes no sense to me. Well, if you're in it, you're in it. I, it's fun. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster, except you're in the dark, and you can't see what's coming next. Yeah. And then we also had a little bit of other news uh, that was somewhat anticlimactic for me. So... Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's uh, deposition was released and unsealed by uh, uh, Judge Preska and largely redacted. It's unfortunate. Most of the stuff in there we already knew. Um, so Prince apparently they forgot to redact guy. four of the victims uh, in the in the deposition, but they were very thorough in making sure that uh, the Clintons and Prince Andrew and Dershowitz and all the others uh, were redacted. So um, we'll see what happens with that. There was supposed to be a minimal amount of redacting done in that deposition unsealing, and there was substantial redacting. So who knows where that's going to go. Um, I still have not seen anything on the flight logs. That was supposed to be out here, um, you know. It's getting frustrating. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's not – it. It's it's been frustrating, so it's hard for me to say it's more frustrating than it's been because this is the farthest we've ever been in this thing, and it's been right. it feels like it's been twenty years. So, um, and even the last you know two three years have seemed like long. But so anyway, we're we're, we're farther along than we've ever been, but we are nowhere near the end of this. So um, I figured I'd just give a quick update on that. Sure. Um, do you so, want to start? So disappointing. Do you want to start with HB? Uh, yeah, I guess we have to. I mean, I don't. So, so as we talked about last week, um, the gift that keeps on giving, Hunter Biden, is uh, his laptop is going, being, you know, scoured by multiple peoples at this point. Great um, public, pu- public, <laughs> pub- publicly, public officials and, uh, you know, independent people are, are going through that. Uh, we have this um, all additional and somewhat corroborating set of emails coming from a former, uh, now imprisoned former business associate of uh, Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, uh, Bevan Cooney, who was serving prison in Chicago. Um, he contacted a independent investigative journalist, uh, Matthew Tierman, and 
gave him access to upwards of 26,000 emails and said, you know, go at it. See what you got. He feels like he's been the fall guy of a uh, bond scheme that kind of happened, uh, what was it, 2013, 2014? 14, and he has, this Bevan Cooney has been in prison, uh, basically the only one who served any kind of justice for that. Um, Devin Archer, it seems as though, even though his uh, conviction was overturned, it looks like it was back, uh, re-overturned, I guess. And now yep. he's going to uh, serve serve uh, prison time as well. But that did leave Hunter Biden clean and free and his business dealings. And so Bevan Cooney gave this uh, reporter access to his emails and many of the emails are corroborating some of the um, Biden crime family uh, dealings in several countries uh, through the laptop emails as well. So, and we're not even going to get into the most disturbing part because I don't even want to make that part of the show. Thank you. But there it's disturbing on multiple levels and we're not going to go to that one, but the the foreign interactions, the selling of the Biden name for influence is <laughs> becoming more and more apparent that it is uh, very, very prevalent. So um, please take that picture down. It's just so discomforting to look at. I'm genuinely uncomfortable with those eyes upon me. How about those eyes? I don't want to know. <laughs> it's the same guy. But it's the same eyes. But oh, So God. this is the... Uh, um, this is the article. Uh, so, you know, Peter Schweitzer, who's an uh, author. Uh, I'm going to jump into this book here. Um, you guys can't even see it here. I'll show you in a second. <laughs> um, but uh, Peter Schweitzer, uh, he's a, a author and uh, a reporter, and he uh, writes for Breitbart. And this is an article about the, the 26,000 emails. Uh, again, Matthew Tierman was given access to the emails. He... Um, I think he, I think I've seen him call Peter Schweitzer, his mentor and basically contacted Peter Schweitzer and they, and with Seamus, uh, Brunus, I think his name is, um, those three guys have been going through these emails and trying to get out the information to as many, uh, places as possible. Um, let me bring up, let me, do you have something to say before I play one of these interviews? I was going to play the tier man uh, part first, if you want to. So I think this story breaks down into two very interesting elements the first one is obviously the the factual basis for a lot of these allegations uh and it looks very politically damaging if not illegal um by the biden family by joe biden by hunter biden depending on the allegations and the legality thereof uh at the very least it's politically damaging the second element that i find to be probably more fascinating and more problematic is the absolute lack of interest in reporting on this by the vast majority of your traditional media platforms and outposts. Like, Do you think it's a lack of interest? I, well, I know what it really is, but for them to all of a sudden say, well, we couldn't independently verify, like, I'm sorry, but if this is the new standard then you guys are going to have to change a lot of the story. So that means no more anonymously sourced articles. No that, Pentagon papers. No Pentagon papers. Like No Trump tax returns. No Trump tax returns. No stories on, on any Trump corruption or collusion in Ukraine or Russia because all of you didn't independently verify any of that, but now that's the standard? I you you got to be kidding. And and if this is not of interest of the the arguably the favorite of the candidates for the presidency of the United States, having multiple family members directly involved with international off-the-book schemes involved in China and in other countries, Ukraine, Russia, etc. 
what is of interest in a political season? Because that seems to me that should be what is what we should want to know about, if nothing else. And I made a, a comment about this earlier. If you read all this, you still you you actually believe it. You, know, like you believe the allegations. You think it's probably true, and you still vote for Joe Biden. God bless you. I, I mean, I get it. You, you still think he's the better option for president. Okay, no problem. I understand. Same way, like, if you believe all this stuff about Donald Trump and still vote for him, okay, no problem. But let's not pretend like this stuff isn't real. Let's let's not shove it under into, into some kind of a memory hole where we pretend like these are good people and ethical people that we want to place our faith in. I mean, the ball's on this guy to say this is a vote for the soul of America. So time out. I, my vote for you is for the soul of America. You are the soul of America. The ego that it takes to even contemplate saying that out loud is remarkable. But here we are. So I think that looking at the media's refusal to cover this story, I find that very problematic because I've always said that I think the answer to speech you don't like is more speech. If you want to debunk any of it, debunk it. If you want to go find conflicting reports, great. Don't cover it up and pretend like it doesn't exist because that's where things actually go bad. Yeah, and that's, you know, some of the, what happens to your point of, I don't, I don't think it's lack of interest. I think it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a, I don't know if it's ping pong back and forth, but we get news stories that are only played on certain news outlets, right? So, so this story is only getting played on Breitbart and Fox, right? right? So the other news channels point to it and say, oh, it's only being reported by Breitbart and Fox, but they don't report on it. So it's, right. it's you know. And then people say, well, if it was real, these other people would be reporting on it. Don't you think it's suspicious that none of the other ones have reported on it? Like, yes, I do, actually. I find it very suspicious that they're not the... There was a time when I looked at reporters as a truly noble profession because it was the curiosity. It was the, you want to dive in and get to the truth on something, no matter what the consequences. The idea was to uncover the truth, truly hold people in power accountable for what they were doing. Now... They're cheerleaders, and there's cheerleaders on both sides. This is not a one-sided issue, but it's whatever the candidate that you choose is. You are so quick to make any investigations and, and connect all these dots on a candidate you don't like, but the candidate you do like, you're so willing to turn a blind eye across so many members of our media. I can't think of any— because they don't like the candidate. Uh, that's what I mean. I can't think it's, of any industry that People is, are only voting on two reasons. Either you're voting for Trump or you're voting against Trump. Those are the two reasons why people are voting right now. The vast majority of people are either voting against Trump or voting for Trump. That's fair. Uh, it's Nobody's voting for Biden. Um, or if they are, it's you know his family. or Well, maybe some of his family. We'll get to that. Um, Let's go no, to the tapes. we're not. Um, let's, yeah. So, so I'm going to play this, uh, clip from Matthew Tierman. He was the, uh, the journalist who was given access to the Bevan Cooney emails and he has made a couple appearance on the Ingram angle. I have never seen the Ingram angle. So I actually haven't either. So she can thank Matthew Tierman for allowing me to tune in the last couple of days because I found it interesting <laughs> to listen to Matt. So, um, let me, let me play his interview and this kind of goes to the, um, how he got, you know, how he even came to, uh, you know, come in contact with, with Bevan Cooney. So here, here's, here's his interview with uh, Laura Ingram. Well, it was a, a somewhat circuitous route. Uh, I had a contact, uh, somebody I knew in Chicago who happened to be in the same facility uh, as Bevan Cooney, a federal uh, work camp for white-collar uh, infractions. And uh, he had known what I had been involved in working with Peter Schweitzer in the past on Ukraine and Burisma and other forensic auditing projects. And he reached out to me and said, I am in uh, this facility with Bevan Cooney, and Bevan wants to flip. He wants to make these things public and transparent. 
apparent he's absolutely uh, apoplectic uh, that uh, Hunter and Devin Archer have skated as they have. And Bevin sees himself, and I think somewhat justly, as a bit of the fall guy. I mean, he's there in prison uh, for working with these partners, uh, and they're not. Mm, and they just they just seem seem to walk away, at least on this deal. Now, Matthew, uh, Archer, Devin Archer and Jason Galanis are involved in the majority of the emails you've received. Tell us who they are and how they their relationship to Hunter Biden. I look at Devin Archer as the ringleader of uh, this whole little uh, coterie of uh, of of door opening lobbying types who try and move money around. Uh, Devin Archer was originally partners with uh, Chris Hines, John Kerry's stepson, uh, and then he also went into business with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. And some of these emails, you see that Hines starts to get a little bit more risk averse, uh, and then they start to uh, to elevate Hunter's role in the operation, and especially fitting given that this was the start of the uh, second term of Barack Obama when they started getting very active in uh, Eastern Central Europe, in China, uh, in Kazakhstan. And here's one of the alleged 2013 uh, email exchanges that you obtained between, again, Devin Archer and Jason Galanis. Okay, Archer writes, it won't make a difference on economics other than we bring Hunter into the mix a little, uh, a little, but without a comp commitment. I want to leverage Hunter more, and he's a good guy for us to include. Well, Matthew, from all you've had access to, did Hunter object to being used in this way? Or is that just, that was his value? Yeah, no, that was certainly his value. One of the uh, glaring things that Peter and I saw. All right, so, so I'm being, I'm being told, told that, that it didn't, didn't work. work. Technical difficulties. Yeah. Give me one second. So you guys didn't hear the interview, but you guys should listen to that interview. Um, go and, I don't know, I think it's on, uh, I think I had it on MSN. Like the, they had all the, the political shows there, but it's the interview with Matthew Tierman and um, Laura Ingram on the Ingram angle. It's, pretty telling of uh, connecting some dots that kind of have been going on here for a while um, that had kind of been dismissed as something less than authentic. But I feel like these emails in cooperation with the laptop have now kind of shed some additional, or as I said, connected some additional dots kind of confirming that the Bidens kind of use their name to uh, cash in and uh, maybe selling out the country along the way. Well, I don't know if you could. I don't know if you could jump all the way to selling out the country along the way. Although there is certainly some evidence to indicate that. I think if you look through these emails now, there's two different emails that everybody should be aware of. The first is are these emails? These are the, the emails from Cooney. What's his first name? Bevan. Thank you. I always want to say Devin, and I know it's wrong. Devin Archer, Bevan Cooney. I got it. So with Bevan Cooney, he just came in and basically said, I'm not going to be your fall guy. Put two middle fingers in the air. Called a Breitbart investigative reporter and said, come and get these. Look through them. There's a lot of damaging stuff in there. I know you'll actually look at it. Unless If, if I called somebody at 60 minutes, they're not running it. But if I, if I go to you, it'll get public. Okay, cool. And then the other half of it is the Rudy Giuliani email. So these are the emails that allegedly came directly off of Hunter Biden's server hard drive and his laptop that he dropped off at a repair shop near, like a mile and a half from his father's residence in Delaware. 
and then forgot to pick up. And so the owner made multiple attempts to call him and contact him. Didn't work out. So under some law that after so long, it becomes the property of the shop owner. Correct. That happened. There was a some kind of a Bo Biden Foundation sticker on it. And so this guy was a big Trump guy. And he figured out that he went into it and figured out it was Hunter Biden's. Okay. So first on the Giuliani emails, let me just say this. I don't believe for one second that's how this email server came to be in public. I'm sorry. That like, okay, I get that Hunter Biden's an addict. Maybe this was just a call for help that he was uh, so desperately wanting to be stopped that he self-sabotaged, which does happen with addicts, and sure. But the odds of him picking like a real pro-Trump guy and then not getting it, it seems, what's the right word here? too convenient is that i don't know is that I, wrong? Do you have some other uh so, as you and i have discussed i've said this on the show in the past for all of rudy giuliani's faults he is a tremendous prosecutor that was his career went after the mob he chased him all over new york city that's how he got his career started in politics as he was a phenomenal prosecutor if you've ever seen the movie charlie wilson's war they mentioned rudy giuliani as a prosecutor investing charlie wilson and they warned him this guy's very good he went and interviewed the limo drivers in Cuba that drove you around or Costa Rica. I don't remember the country, but it was like that attention to detail is not normal. That is like obsessive compulsive. You you have a problem if you're going that far down the rabbit hole for every case that you're chasing. Now, I know Rudy Giuliani is no longer acting in the capacity as an official government prosecutor. Yes, that takes away some resources. That also takes away restraints. And if you have Rudy Giuliani with unfettered with no rules on restrictions on how he can collect evidence. I'm just going to throw it out there that, that this very convenient story, I would venture to guess this probably was more likely gotten by some, I don't want to say illegal because there's not a lot of law on this. Ethically questionable means. Is that, is, am I crazy? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've still under, I mean, I haven't heard anything saying that the laptop wasn't just dropped off at a shop. I haven't either. It's just my gut no. instinct, but either way it's regardless because here's the reality. Cause it seemed like this guy tried to shop it to other people before it got to Giuliani. God love him. I hope so. I so. listen, it's maybe, maybe this really is how it happened. So either way, I, I almost don't care because it's a, the, the server, the hard drive, the yeah, laptop. It's all real. I mean, if it's not real, it's real. Hey, they spent a lot of time putting <laughs> videos and images and emails. And I mean, I can't imagine those Russians are good, man. I'll tell you what, if this is all Russian disinfo, even though there's almost no evidence, I'm sorry, let me rephrase it. There is no evidence to indicate this is actually Russian disinformation. Yeah. Yes. I saw the letter signed by 50 former intelligence officers that said it has all the earmarks. I don't care. Either way, this this all appears to be actual, very genuine information. Yeah. And like I said, it's been corroborated, a lot of it, by the additional 26,000 emails from Bevan Cooney. So, and it got corroborated when one of the recipients <clears throat> of the email went on the record and said, yes, this is real. This is what it means. I'm a recipient. Yes, this came from Hunter Biden. And it references staking out 10% of the equity in our shadow corporation to be held by Hunter for the big guy. And to the surprise of no one who's been paying attention, the big guy is Joe Biden. So, okay. Now, this was after he was out of office, so it's not like it was a corruption charge or of him abusing the vice presidency. There's more than enough other instances of that, but that's fine. So, listen, look at things in context. That's my, that's my big thing. So, if you want to believe that all of this is perfectly innocent and Hunter Biden was acting of his own accord, cool. 
I guess. But if you want to look back through any sort of the history of the Biden family, there's just, again, there's a lot of coincidences. So if you want to go back, his brother, Frank Biden, little brother to Joe, is uh, apparently a construction guy, has a construction company. And Joe Biden was named by Barack Obama as the point person for the U.S. policy in Latin America and the Caribbean. And son of a gun, if uh, Frank Biden's company doesn't get a large contract to operate in Costa Rica. Now, it's not officially U.S. sanctioned, of course, because that would be illicit. Just convenient and a coincidence that it happened to be the vice president's brother. Then the government loaned a ton of money to another company to build a power, uh, power server down in Jamaica. And, you know, after it was all built, it got bought by Frank Biden's company. Just, again, coincidence, obviously. There, there's no way that you could ever draw anything else out of that. Uh Joe Biden's, I mean, you have the classic, his sister was the campaign manager, and in 2008 when he ran for president to a miserable result because he got caught lying for the fourth presidential election that he tried to run in, um, sister made something to the tune of $2.5 to $3 million in political consulting fees. Now, that's just run-of-the-mill nepotism. That, that doesn't really register, but it's there, so we should be aware of it. And then you got his brother, James Biden, another younger brother to Joe Biden, Maybe Frank's older. I can't remember now. But so James Biden uh, joined a construction firm called Hillstone, which was owned by a family friend of the Bidens, a childhood family friend of the Bidens. Okay. So Frank joins that. And then, weirdly enough, Hillstone gets awarded a contract to go build 100,000 houses in Iraq. Hmm. Again, a coincidence, lucky. obviously a coincidence that they, they stood to make something. The firm was going to make about one point five billion. And Frank Biden, nope, not Frank, James Biden and the two other major partners were going to split about seven hundred and thirty billion dollars hmm. million seven hundred thirty yeah. million. I apologize. However, they couldn't pass some of the um, some of the safety tests and that kind of thing. So they ended up losing that contract and they just had to suffice themselves with multiple 10 to 30 million dollar deals from the state department to build houses in the united states How will and they buildings. Survive? i mean you know they tried again coincidentally obviously there's no evidence that joe biden put his finger on the scale it's just a coincidence that everybody with the last name biden somehow manages to get these things done uh, it's hmm. just it's the damnedest thing they, they have, have such good luck they're a persistent family they have such good luck and then not to get into hunter biden of Hunter Biden legitimately got a waiver to be allowed to commission as a naval officer after he was too old to be a naval officer. They have a cutoff date to join the military. Typically, it's about 34. And he was older, got a naval commission, and then somehow was not dishonorably discharged after failing a drug test for cocaine. I could tell you from my time in the military, if I had had a cocaine-positive urinalysis test... I would have been dishonorably discharged from the military. However, your last name is not Biden. It's not. And you know what? It's the biggest travesty my parents ever bestowed upon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mom and dad, I love you and I appreciate my last name. But so Hunter Biden somehow doesn't get a dishonorable discharge. Again, I'm sure no self-dealing occurred. Instead, he goes and he gets a job as a board member on Burisma. So Burisma is because a, he's an expert in energy, obviously, because he has no background. And he speaks Ukrainian. Sure. No, 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 neither of those things, oh. nor corporate governance while we're on the subject, but okay. So the official store, Burisma is a, an energy company in the Ukraine that is the center of a lot of alleged unethical dealings and corruption. And as a quick side note before I interrupt, it's also the backdrop of the impeachment of the it president. Is. Yes. It is. So Hunter Biden, they decide now here's the official story. 
Barisma is facing some bad press from their corruption dealings, and they want to make sure they get a prettier face on this board, and they want to make stringent efforts to ensure that they do not, in fact, have any of this corruption. So they go and get some new board members, one of which is Hunter Biden, recently administratively discharged from the Navy for doing cocaine. Just happens to be the son of the vice president of the United States. And once again, who is in charge of Ukrainian policy for the United States? You know, son of a gun, if it wasn't Joe Biden again, what? Joe Biden was spearheading the Ukrainian policy for the United States of America. His son ends up making a job somewhere between 50 and $80,000 a month. Fucking shit out four leaf clovers. That family. The the Irish Catholic is strong in this family. I'm telling you what. So he's making 50 to $80,000 per month as a board member on per per month. Yes. And now you actually had done some research into this. That's about what board members make at ExxonMobil, right? Uh, no. Oh, it's not? Uh, less. Oh, I thought the board members, but ExxonMobil is way bigger than Barisma. They make uh, way more money. Uh, like 100 times the size of okay. Barisma. And their board members are not making 50000 a month. All about right. half of that. Oh, so that makes total sense, and that's fully legitimate, obviously. Well, again, it was back to his uh, Ukrainian energy expertise. If there's anybody that I would trust on Ukrainian energy... Hunter Biden's be the first call if I ever get into that field. So here we are. Hunter Biden's making this money. And this is where now a Russian oligarch, the third richest woman in the world at the time, is trying to legitimately pay Hunter Biden's company for some consulting work or something. But son of a gun, if she's not blacklisted from opening an account in the U.S. because she's on a few of those watch lists that were, they like, uh, they call them anti money laundering laws. And if you're on a watch list, Benefit of the doubt to you, obviously, because they just put anybody on those. So she's trying to make the money. She goes, and this is where some of these emails uh, that that Bevin Cooney's server alleges or, or indicates. And they managed to backdoor an account for her with J.P. Morgan, and they're celebrating it that they weaseled the account open so that she could open a J.P. Morgan account, put the money in there, and then pay it to the firm run by Hunter Biden. But, of course, that doesn't prove that Hunter Biden actually got the money because don't take any leaps here, people. There's a long, long history of highly ethical and full disclosure of the behavior of the Bidens here. So, okay, that's all well and good, too, and allegedly that happened. And then Hunter Biden got into the private equity business, and he started up a private equity firm along with Devin Archer. I believe Bevin Cooney was involved with that, but I'm not 100% He might have been. Chris Hines, I believe, was. Chris Hines was involved. So now they go to China. He goes to China aboard Air Force Two, as a matter of fact, as a guest of his father, who's the vice More president. Clovers. And I'm, I got a question for you. You might be able to guess the answer to this. Guess who was spearheading U.S. policy to China at that time? Joseph Biden. Uh, my, you know what? You win a prize. I don't know what it is. But again, this very lucky family, Hunter Biden goes out, gets a contract, gets a billion-dollar investment over the next year from a Chinese firm linked entirely to the government. Of China, so essentially, uh, the Chinese Nationalist Army invested about a billion dollars with Hunter Biden. Now, is any of this strictly illegal? No, I mean you'd need more evidence to prove that something illegal actually happened. But if you're going to ask me to really give Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt that he didn't know any of this was going on, you're asking me to believe one of two things: either this was the most unfortunate, unlucky man ever to exist in public office and not be aware of his family's dealings because they hit it so well, or Joe Biden is the dumbest human being on the planet and couldn't see what was so plainly obviously happening right under his nose. You know, there's no three option, right? I mean, if you're going to tell me that Joe Biden really didn't know, those are the only two options. Uh, he's complicit. Okay. So he's there's doing, the third option. He is, 
in on it. That's the option. Right. And so now you're seeing these emails that and come he out. he knows about it. You see these emails that come out that say, hey, he knew, and he was, he was getting something out of this. If you're telling me that that's just such a leap of logic that you can't get there, I'm I got to disagree. I, like, I, I, can, I can get there pretty easily. Now, none of this means I think Donald Trump is clean and ethical or a good person. I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying let's be honest about what we're dealing with. And the idea that, that Joe Biden is the candidate to save the soul of our nation, Lucas. our nation is beyond saving at that point. Yeah. All right, we're done. If, if Joe Biden is the epitome of the savior of our soul, I, we may as well just shut it down and start over. Let's, yeah. let's rebuild because we've, we've hit the point of no return. And so with all that backdrop, so Bevan Cooney, right, he's uh, serving this minimum sentence in some Chicago prison. All this uh, news comes out, and guess what happens? Oh, Bevan Cooney is mysteriously moved, uh, removed from minimum security and put in solitary confinement. I mean, I think that's for his own good. <laughs> and immediately, Cooney didn't kill himself, started trending on Twitter. Who got that trending, Sean? I did. Yeah, you did. I did. Look at I'm famous almost. That was well done. Um. But seriously, I mean, they did move the dude out of a minimum security. I mean, he was only, he was serving 30 months. So it wasn't like, I think he was, I mean, he was serving some of that time, but not, I don't even know. Nobody's really knows what's going on. His family's concerned. Um, I don't know. I would call it a strange twist of events. Uh, a situation worth monitoring. For sure. Okay. No doubt. Um, and we'll see. Like I said, they, you know, they've been. These guys, uh, Peter Schweitzer, Matthew Tierman, for example, have been putting out stuff almost daily, definitely daily, multiple times a day um, through the stuff that they're getting. Along with the Hunter Biden laptop has been posting stuff every few hours. Uh, if you know where to find it, uh, it's disturbing. Um, yeah, listen, if you're not ready, don't watch that stuff. Yeah. I, I had to rethink some life decisions after watching some of the stuff that was on that laptop. I, I, I was not comfortable with what I had done with my life. There's some things you I'm just sorry can't. for sharing. I hate you. Like there, I didn't need I, to see that at all. I I was perfectly content not knowing that that could happen with feet and a, yeah. and some other body parts. I didn't need that. No. I didn't need that in my life at it's all. It's gross. Um, so I mean, feet, feet. Do whatever you want to do with your feet. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to judge, but you know, um, <laughs> I just I don't want to see it. No. Um, so I don't know where this goes, but this cannot. I mean, we talked about how it's not necessarily, uh, or they've chosen the lack of interest to cover the story. Um, we talked about how they actually blocked it last week, uh, and some of the, the Twitter and, and, and Facebook basically, yep. you know, Twitter legitimately just blocked the link. Uh, New York Post is still not have access Locked to their Twitter. to their to their to their Twitter account uh, for something that they've actually changed the policy for. So Twitter's changed their policy, said we no longer are going to <laughs> block links like they just did, and yet they still will not allow the New York Post uh, eight days out from an election, a 200-year-old newspaper, uh, to have access to their Twitter account uh, because they won't remove link to their own articles, which is just mind-boggling. Um, it's terrifying. Yeah, and terrifying, for sure. And the fact that every media outlet is not outraged by this is absurd. This is pure and simple censorship, and there is no reason for it. And here's the outcome that's going to happen. I, well, here's what should happen. They should have Facebook, Twitter, and every other social media platform should absolutely have their status re reviewed as right now they get immunity from what's posted on their sites because their claim is we are not a publisher. We are just the platform upon which it is, it is broadcast. 
So you can only do that if you remain neutral. If you don't actually create the content or modify it or alter it, right now it's a little gray, but that's supposed to be what it is. So the easy answer is clean up the language and make it perfectly clear. If you get into the business of monitor, of of altering or blocking information on your website, as far as trying to determine what is true or unverified, verified, everything else, you are no longer just a platform. You are a publisher and you no longer get immunity. Immunity is a privilege. A lack of immunity is not a punishment. This means you are responsible now. Right. If you're going to play this game, then you are going to take responsibility because right now the social media companies are trying to have it both ways. Yeah. They're trying to dictate the information that you see and don't see while maintaining the legal immunity from being held accountable for that, and that's not right. So that's what should happen. They should just clean up the language of the Section 230 of the U.S. Code that, that governs this and make it so that you have to decide one or the other. What will happen is they're going to put some stupid government body in charge of all of this, and it's going to be the Department of Social Media and Misinformation, and we're going to spiral further into 1984, as our government assumes, more control and more power. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely recognize that there's a problem in the social media, um, you know, neutering information, if you will, uh, or, cater, you know, just making sure that you're getting what you want. But the last thing I want to do is involve the government. Uh, as you point out, it's just usually going to make things worse um but there's a problem here and obviously we're living right through it at this point do you realize we've gotten 48 minutes here and 50 minutes maybe or something like that we haven't even mentioned the word covid we're doing good it's like a record i know i'm i mean god if you think hunter biden's depressing yeah well i mean again i don't have any uh i don't have i i can't imagine that the information is just going to stop here coming out. And I know there's a bunch of, bunch of people uh, have already uh, early voted and whatnot and uh, re- at record amounts, but I, I'm more convinced than ever that Trump wins in a landslide. I, I mean, I wouldn't, nothing would surprise me at this point. I'm uh, talking like. You think it's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. I'm not as convinced of that, although I've never seen polling places look like they have right now. This is crazy. I've yeah, never seen this many know. people coming out. And then the question, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. Nobody is genuinely excited to vote for Joe Biden. So no, they're voting against Trump. You're for voting sure. for Trump or against Trump, or you're voting third party because you recognize Disgusting. that both of these people. Yeah, you're done. You're, like, you're, you're just done. You've had enough, and, and you're going to the third party, which is great, and I wish third parties could build up more um, more momentum. And the only way that's going to happen is the two-party system has to start coming down because they have blocked all the third parties yeah. from building any momentum. It's, it's really about candidates. You know, as somebody who plays third-party politics, to break through, you need candidates who can resonate with people from right. both parties and non-voters. And there, honestly, there's just not a lot of candidates that can do that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a difficult, it's a, in, like I said, you know, the, the other two parties, as you point out, have insulated themselves from competition of, the, of these minor parties. Yeah. And so without the, uh, you know, the money or the name recognition, these third parties just don't have a chance. I mean, we saw here in New York, even with somebody who has name recognition, recognition of money and Cynthia Nixon who tries to take down you know the King Cuomo Good luck. zero chance I mean you just it's the and she tried to fight through the Democrat party um and still hung on to the working families party and they're still suffering because of that whole thing so um yeah. I don't know I was just thought it was interesting that we got through the I was just realizing we haven't even talked about anything I don't think there's anything New York do you want to talk about anything New York and COVID before we I've head out I've got a good correlation yeah. I've got a good um I suck at words today I'm sorry I've got a good transition, if you yeah. will. So we're talking about how covering up information Segway. that you find inconvenient. Segway. Thank you. God, you're smart. All right. So the segue is this. Uh, the Danish government has recently completed or almost completed? Uh, they completed it, I believe, in August. 
I'm sorry, yes, are recently trying to shop out a study they did with a con- randomized controlled trial to test the efficacy of mask usage on the large population and the spread of COVID-19. And the test was relatively simple of you got a bunch of people that had no antibodies that had tested negative and had no known exposure to COVID-19. And it was something like a thousand people or 500 people or something to that effect. And you divide them up 50, 50 between you guys wear masks as much as you can for the next six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was, you guys continue not wearing masks. And that was the other thing is it had to be people that did not wear masks before. And then they wanted to follow and see, okay, who got COVID, who, whose family members got COVID and who didn't. Um, they cannot get this study printed in any journal of science or medicine anywhere. I'll give you one guess why nobody will put this study into the public domain. All right, go ahead, Sean. They don't like the results. Okay. And what were the results, Sean? That they were not effective? Right. That there was absolutely no impact based on this study that said on a large scale mask usage. Now, listen, if you follow the science, this actually does make some sense, which is masks are absolutely effective at blocking droplets from leaving your mouth. And the virus could be carried on a droplet and spread to somebody else. This is particularly the case when you are symptomatic or immediately pre-symptomatic that this is the most likely to happen. It's actually most likely to happen when you are symptomatic. So that can block the droplets from spreading the virus to somebody else. However, the virus is spread the overwhelming majority of the time through prolonged intimate contact in an enclosed space between a symptomatic person and somebody who doesn't have it. So how much does a mask in Lowe's help with that? Not a lot. And, and you know now that also it does appear at least that the, the virus can also spread via aerosols, which are far too small for any cloth face covering to block. So we're just using these masks as like a virtue signal at this point. And again, if you're symptomatic, I think wearing a mask is actually a really smart idea. Like, just be safe. Now, why not? There's no downside to this. Uh, the one that I struggle with still is children. I, the fact that we have kids wearing masks is about the most anti-science thing I've ever seen because the overwhelming evidence at this point all points to children are not spreading this virus. They just, they are not. And every time they have a study that comes out that says they do it, give it three weeks. And then it turns out, no, the data was wrong. And it was misrepresented to get the conclusion that you wanted. Weirdly, none of those studies have any sort of difficulty getting published though. Weird how that works out. And then have to be retracted a few weeks later when other people look at them and go, no, this is false. Um, Here's my problem. It's the same thing is there is no such thing as settled science. There is no such, the term should not exist. Science is constantly testing and constantly learning more and growing and challenging your assumptions. Now, I agree, it does make sense that masks do work in this capacity to block the virus. However, in the grand scheme of things, if the data indicates they have no impact, then we should acknowledge that and help people make more informed decisions and be smarter about what they're doing to protect themselves and others. Because if you're just doing something that has no impact for the sake of doing it, you're an idiot or we're idiots for doing this in the first place. And the people telling us to do this, what is the point if it's not helping? What if we just said, Hey, if you feel the slightest sniffle, wear a mask. It's the considerate thing to do. And yeah, stay home or put a mask on and make sure to wash your hands. Right. I mean, the, the downside to masks is you do block a lot of the vi- other germs that could be coming out 
are getting held up in your mask. You're touching your face more often. How often do you clean your mask? Honestly, do you clean it every night? Do you right. sanitize and, it every few and hours? I, I've seen people talking about how some of these studies, you know, they the masks trap the droplets, but then you continue to wear them and breathe in and on the droplets. So you're basically sending them out after the fact anyway. Right. You're aerosoling the, the droplets. So, and that's, I can't imagine that studied in the, in the mask, in the, in the studies. They're not, they're, they're testing the, the, the efficacy of the, the materials and stuff. So I don't know. It's, it seems like crazy. It's inconvenient. Crazy is uh, selling it short for sure. It's, it's, it seems more than, again, it, it seems just a convenient uh, delay in publishing this paper because it doesn't fit the, the, the mainstream narrative that masks are beneficial. Um, and I feel like we are being held hostage by that pub, that paper not being published in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's, it's been over a month now and these mask mandates are in full effect and, and, and growing in some spots. I mean, some of these lockdown measures are, and now these, uh, some of these other countries are actually increasing now. So, um, listen, I think it needs to be out there and let the people decide. Right. I'm all for it. And I have no major objection to wearing a mask. Honestly, I don't, I think it's kind of dumb, but I'm not like, I'm not out here protesting in the street about it. I just think it's dumb. What I want to have is full access to information. If we have data that shows that this is largely ineffective, except in these circumstances, people would be much more responsive to, in these circumstances, wear a mask because the data backs up that this is when it's helpful. Okay, great. I'm in. And still be smart, still socially distance, still you know wash your hands regularly, try not to touch your face. That's all great advice, and we should follow it. When we start covering up information because it, it's inconvenient or it runs counter to what you want to be true, you're part of the problem. And, and look, good, bad, or indifferent data, I'd rather have all the information and make an informed decision. I, I don't need somebody else to tell me, like, oh, well, trust the science. Okay, well, that assumes that science is one monotonous idea that everybody agrees to, and that's the opposite of what science actually is. Stop it. Like, this, is, this is insanity. And, oh, well, we should listen to Dr. Fauci. You should never listen to an infectious disease doctor tell you what to do about an economy. That's a terrible idea because they're going to say the same thing every single time with no thought of what are the consequences. And the consequences we are already seeing, and we've talked about them at length, suicides are up, preventable deaths are up, addiction is up, overdoses are up, mental health is having a huge hit, depression and anxiety are going through the roof. People are getting sent into poverty at rates that we haven't seen before over these lockdowns. And the lockdowns have less of an impact than masks do. And yet somehow we still go to this and say, yeah, well, it's just uh, listen to the scientists and don't be selfish. Uh, listen, I I'll survive fine, but all you're doing is you're widening the wealth gap even more because the poorest people are the ones being hardest hit by this. And you're doing no productive, measurable good. And it should be up to the people ordering the, the lockdowns, this measure that we know is has negative consequences. It should be up to you to prove they are effective, not up to me to prove definitively that they are not. You should have to prove that if we're sacrificing these other lives, we're getting some benefit from it on the other side. Yeah, totally agree. And I don't know that we are. So We're not. Um, we know we're not. We're That's not. what's really maddening about it now. The data is in. Five studies across five different countries all reach the same conclusion. It has no material impact. And in fact, it shows a correlation of higher case spread when you lock down. All right. Way to end this on a down note, Mr. Hewson. The whole episode was a down I know. Note. My God. So with kidding? that... Although the, the Biden stuff, listen, we are, listen, I, we could have a pretty, uh, I'm, we, we are efforting a, uh, uh, I would say a, uh, substantial guest for, to cover the Hunter Biden, uh, news here. I'm hoping to have an interview this week and hopefully maybe we'll have, uh, uh, somebody who can kind of, 
we can jump into some more detail with about here in the next up couple of weeks here. So say what uh, you will about the Hunter Biden stuff. The yeah. stuff that we covered today, this half of it, this part of it that we actually are now are speaking about is kind of funny. I like I know it's not because it, it speaks to like the absolute rot of ethics at the highest levels of our government and and our quote unquote ruling class, whatever. It's kind of funny. I like the the sheer absurdity of it I find comical. The sheer hubris involved of saying this man is an ethical paragon and we should all be listening to him. It, like, listen, if it's not funny, what is? Because Hunter Biden's over here getting contracts and board seats and everything else. Like every other rich family is. I'm not, I'm not under any illusions. Well, his father's VP in every country where his father has picked the spearhead policy of Cash. Biden ends up with some private deal in the private sector that, that just rakes in money. Weird. And it's like, I, I'm not mad. I, I get it. This is how the world works. I find it funny. I, I genuinely find this to be an amusing well, story. Well, if you didn't find it funny, you would probably be I'd aggravated. my mind. Right, exactly. If I didn't laugh at this, I would be tearing my, well, I don't have a lot of hair, but I would tear out what was there. And it's just, instead, I choose to just go the sheer absurdity of it and how far over the top it is. It, like, it's just one of those things that I, I can laugh at. Yeah. Um, well, we're both laughing, I guess. All right. On that note, anything else? Any, any words of enlightenment, or are we uh, we're going to leave the folks till next week? Words of enlightenment. Everybody, stop saying settled science. It's not a thing. Stop. Be stop. the ball. Right. Be- <laughs> All right, guys. It's not like cricket. It is cricket. Until next week, uh, like I said, hopefully we'll have an interview for you next week. Uh, we'll try to dive a little bit more into these uh, Hunter Biden emails, uh, Hunter Biden laptop, and uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, more COVID talk, and we'll. Uh, Dive into NFL week uh, seven or eight, whatever it is. I've, I'm COVID confused now with eight. the weeks. Okay, good. So on that note, thank you for uh, tuning in, and we'll see you all next week.